Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a new interview with one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. You can now subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Justin Lin's new sci-fi film, Star Trek Beyond. The latest installment of the Star Trek franchise finds Kirk, Spock, and the rest of the Enterprise crew halfway into their five-year mission of exploring uncharted space when they are attacked by hostile aliens and forced to abandon ship. Stranded on an unknown planet with no means of aid or rescue, they must find a way to deal with a new ruthless enemy. Following a screening of the film in Los Angeles, Mr. Lin spoke with director Joe Russo about the joys and challenges of making Star Trek Beyond. Listen on for highlights from their conversation, including Lin talking about his love of Star Trek from a young age and how he decided to destroy the iconic Starship Enterprise in the first act of the film. Enjoy. Uh, thank, uh, thank you, everybody, for coming out uh, uh, on a Sunday. Uh, I just got to say before we start, that is how you direct action. That was spectacular. Great job, Justin. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, in addition to great uh, character, great heart, great story, uh, it's a really uh, a fantastic film. Uh, um, and, uh, wonderful reviews. Um, so, uh, so we're just going to uh, chat a little bit. Um, I jotted down a few thoughts. Um, just, you know, Justin and I have been friends for 20 years, 21 yeah. years. We, uh, we went to UCLA film school together, uh, graduate school, I think from, uh, 1995 to 98. Uh, and, uh, we had a really nice moment, uh, uh about 10 years ago when, uh, both of our careers were transitioning from indie film to, uh, commercial filmmaking and we we're on the same we're on sound stages next door to each other uh, on the Universal lot. Uh, so from uh, two guys who were uh, in the uh, sort of do-it-yourself program at UCLA to end up uh, on sound stages next to each other 10 years later was a, was was an accomplishment. Uh, and uh, so let's talk a little bit about your career. Um, I think uh, it, it's been an amazing career with an unbelievable footprint when you sort of look back on it. Uh, you know, you're, it's filled with uh, critical success, critical success, indie success, massive blockbuster success. This gentleman has uh, two billion in box office to his name. Um, you uh, you direct films, you direct television shows like uh, Community and True Detective. You direct commercials. Uh, you pioneered uh, narrative in the VR space uh, with uh, your short film Help that just won two gold lions at Cannes. Uh, you have your own YouTube channel. Uh, your own production company, your own branded entertainment company. Do you ever sleep? Uh, so let me ask you this. What, what drives your intense uh, desire to diversify? I think just to, to grow, you know. I mean, I, I, I remember very clearly, you know, 2001, it was, it was that moment where the 10 credit cards are on the coffee table, and I kind of felt like, all right, that's... I get this one shot, you know, let's, and let's go for it. And so, you know, every time we do something, it, it, I kind of always go back to that moment, you know, and these opportunities 
that are out there, um, it, it's about, for me, it's about just trying to grow every day, you know, and, and putting, sometimes being in really kind of scary spots. I mean, uh, I remember when you called and said, hey, we're doing the show Community, come and shoot a couple episodes. And it was so exciting because, you know, at that point, this is a business where, like, you know, I had just done the fast movies and everyone thinks it's action. And so it's so refreshing to, to, you know, to have the opportunity for, you know, for you to even, you know, call me and say, hey, let's try some, some comedy. And, um, I mean, I, I had such a great time doing those three episodes and, it, and I grew probably more in the, doing those three episodes than by any other period. Well, you directed a, a seminal episode of the show, which I think ended up uh, shifting the show in a different direction. It was a it was a paintball episode, and basically we were spoofing action movies. So it was a, a community. It was the first paintball episode, and it was early on in uh, uh, season uh, one, or near no near the end of season one. But it sort of shifted the direction of the show, where we started to embrace more uh, genre spoofing. So I think it was uh, uh, you know it, taking those kinds of risks lead to really. Uh, uh, you know, really compelling ideas, and uh, and it ended up uh, uh, shaping the next uh, uh, four and a half seasons of that show. Um, you know, I think something that would be interesting for the audience to hear is what what do you think is the most essential motivating factor for you uh, in choosing a project or in choosing what you're going to put your creative energy into with so many uh, uh, diverse interests? What what is it that motivates you? I mean, I think. It really is the is the environment you want to be in. I think creatively, um, the characters. It's it's you know I I love going twenty four seven. You know I I love being in production and being doing something because then I don't have to do anything else. You know, um, and uh, it, it, I think it's it's really I think it's an emotional relationship with the characters and and what the journey you're about to go on and the themes you want to explore. You know and um, but on top of that, I think the other thing that's very important um, is the people you want to be around with. You know, that that's something that I know it's a luxury and something that mm -hmm. you have to earn. But uh, that's something very important to me because if I'm going to put in that kind of effort, I want everybody around me uh, to to be of the same mindset. You know, and I think, especially I think sometimes when the budgets get bigger and bigger, there's a tendency to have more cooks in the kitchen. And I think, you know, it's very important to me that you know I don't care if it's you know, 250, whatever the budget is, that at the end of the day, it's 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 same as if we're making a $200,000 credit card movie. Well, it's good because it segues well into the next question, which, uh, you know, family and, uh, and, and multiculturalism are, I think, extremely important themes to you and your work. Can you talk about why that is? It, it's, it always bothered me when I was growing up, you know, or actually when I was trying to raise money for Bear Like Tomorrow, and, like, it always came back saying, people saying, hey, man, like, you know, you, you, you can't make a movie with Asian-American leads because nobody's going to watch it. And I, was, I had to ask them, like, well, why? And they said, well, they can't relate. It doesn't look like them. And I'm like, well, I grew up. I can relate to Rocky Balboa. He doesn't look like me, you know? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And uh, um, And I think at the end of the day, it was like, I feel like if there's an opportunity and, and if it's right, it's, it's, I just want to make movies that, you know, have the best talent on screen. You know, I think, you know, when we started, I remember John Cho had just come down from Berkeley and Sung Kang had just started. And when I was working with them, I had such a good time and I can, I, I really kind of can see that they're very talented. And then when, you know, when we, when I went off and, and I got more uh, experience under my belt, I realized it wasn't like a, a matter of um, 
you know, talent, it really just opportunity, you know, because the talent is there. Um, so it's not something that I, 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 I seek out and, and, and want to make, it's just something that I feel like if I'm going to have the, I'm going to be positioned to make movies. I want to, I want to work with great people, you know, and I want it to reflect, uh, my world. Well, I think you've, you've done as much as anyone, I think of the business over the last 10 years, uh, in terms of diversity, uh, and, and in the, uh, commercial space. I think, uh, you know, Fast and the Furious is, is a, a real, uh, is a franchise that is, that is built around diversity and, uh, and its approach to a world audience and embracing uh, uh, world audiences. And I think, um, uh, you know, looking back on, on your indie work and how you got into the business, um, you know, much of that work is, is a testimony to, I think, your, your cultural pride and your identity. Uh, how in a bigger franchise space do you feel like you you can you can ensure that your heritage has an influence on your filmmaking? Wow, what, the, <laughs> what what what? I'm sorry. So I think how how do you feel like you you did in your indie work? You, yeah. it was really distinctive uh, yeah. in terms of your your cultural identity, right? right. And then transitioning into. Uh, uh, the commercial space, yeah. which is a much larger space. It's, it has much wider appeal. You're trying to target wider audiences. How do you feel that you bring a, a piece of who you are into that space? How do you, how do you ensure that like you, you, that cultural pride still comes across? And it's, it's, this is sort of crossing into the questions that we were discussing up to this point, but I'm trying to dig a little deeper into who you are and how you grew up and how that affects who you are as a filmmaker. Well, I think a lot of times, just you know, I think this this business. I mean, especially the budget get bigger, people tend to be more conservative, you know. And, and it's 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 just the way it is. And and you you see that it also tends to be a bit more reactionary, you know. And and when something works, everybody wants to do the same thing, you know. And and there is a system that's been in place for years and years, and it goes all the way to to not only like who's auditioning, but who's repping that actor, you know. And so, you. you I, for me, it's just about having those conversations. They're not pleasant, especially in 05 when I was just starting off, you know, ha wanting to have open calls. That, that was like, those are tough conversations to have. Right. The studios are thinking you're wasting your time, you know. And, but I felt like it was, you know, it was something that I felt like it's necessary. It's not even about somebody getting the role, but it's creating these opportunities so somebody can get in that room and get the experience too, you know. And so, um, you know, I, I feel like everything I do, has to be a part of me has to have my point of view has to my have my imprint and i think that's very much from the the indie and, and in many ways kind of it was the philosophy of ucla right like it, it, having been in that program it was you know it, it was definitely not when we were there it was not a great program for you to have network because nobody was you know it was really hard to meet anybody that that was from that program that was working in the business but it was really cool because we got to like hone in. Like when we took Yerzy's class, it was about trying to find a point of view to every beat of every scene. And that's something that I really appreciate and something mm -hmm. that I enjoy doing, you know, whether it's a, it's an indie movie or if it's a big studio film, it's the approach is the same. Like I, I, I hope to continue and I want to keep evolving, but I think the approach to me is, is, is for me is, is the most important aspect of, of, of doing this. You have a incredible gift for working with ensemble casts. I think it's been reflected in the work in Fast and Furious. It's certainly on the screen in this film. Uh, you make sure that each character has a distinct personality, a motivation, uh, an arc, no matter how big or small the part. 
Why do you, as a filmmaker, enjoy working with large casts? What is it about you that attracts you to that? It's interesting. You know, I didn't really think about it too much until I was doing Star Trek, you know? And uh, I remember, you know, when I was growing up, I watched Star Trek on reruns with my parents, you know? And, you know, it's only been, it was only three seasons. So every year you're watching that same episode, like probably four times, right? And so um, for me, it was such a great kind of uh, experience with the family and, and, and kind of going with the with Captain Kirk and the whole crew. Um, but after like a couple of years, you start going to kind of fan fiction land. You know, you start thinking about, well, what do these characters do? Do Sulu and Chekhov, do they hang out when they T leave the Telling bridge? your and, own stories in your yeah, head. Yeah, and you start kind of going into that. Um, and I, I always love that. And I, I love the, the show was, you know, it's an ensemble, but it was very much Kirk and, and Spock. But I love all the other characters, and 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 so I think coming up and, and making the movies and stuff. One of the, the the things that I really try to be mindful of is the you know the day players. You know they come in for one day, they don't know anybody. They got to deliver like usually one or two lines, and then they're gone. And they get killed. Yeah, and uh, you know I, I I always I think that's probably the toughest. Those are the toughest gigs to 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 to, to really kind of get through, and so. I really enjoy kind of just even hanging out with them and talking to them about just moments, not just in that scene, but what feeds up to that scene. And, you know, and, and that's something I really enjoy. And, um, and I think it, it is cool. I feel like I've come full, full circle with Trek because I got to kind of contribute to the legacy of these great characters, you know. And, um, but it really did come from, I think, my love of kind of watching the show from all the way when I was eight years old. We'll talk about that a little bit because there's a tribute uh, to your father in the movie, and you know it, Trek was uh, important to you as a child. What talk a little bit about how and why that was? Well, you know, we our family just immigrated to the states. You know, when I was eight, and uh, um, you know, I, I remember thinking, "Wow, like I couldn't speak the language." You know, uh, my parents opened this fish and chips restaurant, and they would close at nine. We'd have dinner at ten, and Star Trek came on at eleven, and. Um, we watch it every night, and that was our way of, of hanging out with our, our our parents, my brothers and I. And um, it, it it really it it was so kind of progressive for for TV, you know. I mean, Sulu was just part of the crew. He wasn't there because he was, you know, he knew kung fu or he was a tourist or whatever. He was there right. because he was a human being, you know. And uh, I I really I really enjoy that, and um, and it was it was a big part of. Growing up, getting a sense that you know family doesn't have to be just by blood, you know, and I, I, uh, and so now you know I have a seven-year-old, like his uncles and aunts are my friends, you know, and they're not, and that's that's become kind of new sense of family, and it's very much influenced by, by Trek. It's it's interesting getting to work on, and I have the same experience with Marvel because I collected comic books when I was a kid, but working on something that you you that you cherished as a child, how much uh, how much does that how much does he emotional connection to that material and your rem your remembrances of the show uh, how much did you bring that into uh the crafting of the story and the way that you treated the characters well what i really um love about what jj did in 09 was he he respected kind of what came before and he created a new timeline you know as a fan i thought that was that was a great way of re-engaging uh, uh trek you know so in essence, you know, you, you had to draw to the essence of all the characters, you know, and that's something that I, you know, when I signed on, I I, I wanted to do that not only with Simon and Doug, but e even with all the actors to talk it through and really kind of build it so that they're whatever they're experiencing now, it, it's it's 
you know, it's for the first time, you know, and um, I think it's respecting what came before. I think that was very important, you know, um, and so I, you know, I, I you have to, I grew up from eight to 18, so I left for college, and so I hadn't seen Trek for like, I don't know, 30, 20 years, whatever, you know, like, I, it's been a while, so we're really trying to kind of capture the essence of what I loved about it, and, but there'll be weird moments, because like, I remember one night, uh, Simon, had sent a picture. It was with him and, and the alien from the Cobra Mite maneuver, you know, and he just sends these goofy pictures and we just kind of laugh. But it was weird. I saw the picture and I remember there was a captain's address to the crew. And I hadn't seen that episode since I was probably like 16 or something, you know, and I, I, I pulled it up and I, I went through it with Simon and Doug and, and, and there were some great lines in there. We ended up influencing our address to the crew, mm -hmm. you know, so it's in there somewhere and I just want to make sure that, you know, we're respectful and we're we really try to capture the essence of these characters. Where'd you do your undergrad? Yeah. I did uh, I did UCLA for two years in the film film program also. And yeah. then the film program. Okay. Yeah. So and then what uh, what is it that triggered your love of film? Like when, what what point did you realize you wanted to be a filmmaker? It was uh, it was my my undergrad thesis film. You know, it was a it was a ten minute non sync film, and it was four thousand dollars, and that was four thousand dollars could have been. $400 million, you know, it's like it was so much money. And uh, I remember working three jobs just trying to pay off that film. And uh, it, it, at that point, I realized I love this, you know, and, and the, the, the idea of filmmaking, of getting a, a, a collective group of people together with nothing, and you're going to create something to, to project on screen was so addictive. And, and I'm a big sports guy. And and you know, I love basketball. He's a huge sports guy. He's, he's, and uh, it's an understatement. <laughs> and I think that's to me, it's very, it's very similar. You know, I think making films, um, you can't do it by yourself. You need to, you need a collective, and, and you need to hopefully have a vision, and you need to motivate, and hopefully get everybody uh, on the same, on the same lane. You know, and that's something that, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Like next, next project we do, we start over again. We have a bit more knowledge, and we have some relationships. But you're starting over again, and that's something very exciting, you know. Well, you use a lot of the crew. Uh, you know, your your crew stays with you and has stayed with you for many years. Can you talk about that a little bit? And some of your the key personnel in your life. Well, the culture is very important to me, you know. And it, it's I, a it's a family. It's a family. I mean, you, you we we go. It's the most intense artificial environment, you know. <laughs> like, I mean, I I literally just handed uh, Trek Friday night. It was like 11 p.m. I finally signed it over to Paramount. So, like, I wouldn't let it go. Like, you guys are seeing it here. This is not even done yet. Like, so I'm still working on shots. I chase it all the way to the HBO version, you know? Like, I won't give up until the very last second. And, um, and I, I love people that have the same mindset. And I'm not judging. I think that people can do it any way they want. I just know that when, when I remember when I first went on to, to fast and, and there were some really very great people. They work very differently. The culture was very different, you know, and I think coming from the indie world where, you know, anybody from the actor to the PA, they don't show up unless they believe in something because there's no pay, you know, um, and that's something that I, I want to, like, I take to heart. Like, I feel like we're very fortunate. We're, we're well compensated, but if you're just clocking in and out, then you go, you should go with somebody else because I love what I do and I want to challenge everybody and I want everybody to challenge me you know and, I, and that's something that I, you know I mean you're getting up at 3 30 in the morning you know and you're gonna work till whatever you wrap at 7 30 and then I'm going to the cutting room I gotta go right with the writer everything you know if you're putting that kind of energy you want to be with the right people and and 
that culture is very important, and it's a very kind of indie influenced uh, culture. Who who are some of your key collaborators? Um, it's it's really interesting because like you know I it's so intense right when you're starting off and and like I I was on on this one it was I, I was very fortunate. I was in a room with Simon Pegg, Doug Jung, and, and Lindsay Weber. Well, how, yeah, how did and that? How did it wind up? How did Simon wind up getting the script? There was no script. Yeah. Like when I when I got the call from JJ, it was it was eighteen months, probably nineteen months from today, like that. And he said, "Do you no script? No script." I was shooting in Ventura. Uh, he called me and he said, "Do you like Trek?" And I said, ah, I, "I liked it as a kid." And he said, "Well, do you want to do it?" And I thought. It was a Thursday, and I said, well, give me till Monday. You know, we have a day off. I'll go. I'll meet you. And so it was that time that I went, and I had dinner with my parents, and I sat there, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. It's going to be the craziest ride because they were going to shoot at, in June. So that was like um, January, and we were going to shoot with nothing, and we were going to have to create something. So it took like a week and a half. I'm in London in a hotel room with Simon, Doug, and Lindsay, and we hadn't Never met each other, you know. We didn't know each other, and uh, and we had to start. And I had a whole crew waiting in Vancouver um, for direction, you know. So it was like this this process of of making sure that like I'm just not misleading. I'm I'm, I'm you know we're building this road and the car is driving on it at the same time, you know. And um, but it was it was it, it was something that I I didn't go in blindly. Blindly, I, when I do the fast movies, those are insane schedules, but nothing close to this. But the difference also is that in, in fast, like I can come up with an idea, we we'll go shoot around the corner, you know. And this, every idea is it's is another build, you know. And so um, we had a really great crew, um, but it was something that I've done before. It was an exercise, but never to this extent, you know. And so we, you know, we were writing, and and I was trying to create time for the writers, you know to write, so like the takedown was my, it was the idea that started off, so I, I was able to start building the enterprise and, and start designing all the action sequences and, and really work on the character stuff. Uh, but at the same time, I would send, you know, Di Simon and, and Doug, they go off and they try to like work on other scenes and it was, it was pretty intense. I mean, we were writing until like the very end of uh, editing, you know. So really, at what point did you have a completed script by the time you're finished with the movie, uh, editorial <laughs> or? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you. Were you, you prepping off an outline? What was the process it's, it's, like? It's one of those things where it's kind of like job security. Like if I would have gotten killed at some point, like this movie wouldn't, you know, right. I think there were, some, there, were so, there, were, there were points where the script couldn't catch up to the production. So I would sit in the room and it'd be like 30 people and I walk them through every beat and they would question me on like anything they want. And I, I would I would give them answers, and there was nothing written at that point, you know. Um, and then, but to Simon and Doug's credit, they could have just said, okay, well that's the process. We'll go work on this. But they had so much pride, they would just keep going, and and they would try to catch up, you know. And I've I've never had that. That that was awesome. You and John Cho have known each other for how long now? Uh, we started working '96, so uh, '96. Yeah, was that uh, it was shopping for fangs? Yeah, right? yeah. Was that you started shooting that '96 or '97? '96, '96. So we were in film school. I think we were done with our first year. It was MFA, right? So you, I think right before we were starting. It was it right was, before we were yeah, starting. You I shot so. that. I think you just done pieces, and that's right. Yeah. So we had both made a film before we had gone to film school. We'd done it backwards. Um, 
And then uh, uh, shopping for fangs led to uh, better luck. But t- how, how did that process work? What you, Did you sell fun fangs? How did no, that... fangs was uh, Quentin Lee, who I went to school with. He's a good, very good friend. You know, I, He's Canadian. And uh, thank goodness, because I think they, find, they, they help and they help artists you know, in Canada. I mean, I was talking to him about this idea, and, and he didn't say anything. And I guess he submitted it for some grant, and he got $40,000. And so, like three months later, he said, "Hey, I got forty grand. Remember that idea you told me?" And I said, forty grand." So I was, you know, we went and we got short ends and we got people together and we made a film for forty grand, you know. Um, and I learned so much from that because, you know, we had gotten into Toronto and uh, Roger Ebert had, you know, he showed up to the screening and I was like, I couldn't believe Roger Ebert was going to be there. And uh, but I had this like really weird anxiety driven like feeling that like I wanted to run up to him and tell him like oh if I had more money I would have done it this if I had more money I would have done that but my lesson from that was it doesn't matter he was there and I, he was going to spend two hours watching this movie and I should have no excuses you know and that was the biggest lesson from that experience you know and uh and and I, I learned so much so that when when we were doing better luck tomorrow even though it's two hundred fifty thousand dollar you know budget uh there was no excuses. Like we were going to do whatever we, we had to, and whatever was on screen is is is, is something we're going to be proud of, you know. And that that was the that was a really great lesson. So to be clear, uh, Shopping for Fangs was his first film uh, uh, made for forty thousand dollars. Better Luck Tomorrow, you made for two fifty. Yeah, I, well, uh, Shopping for Fangs I directed with Quentin. Right. So Quentin had an idea. I had an idea, and it was like this, you know. So you we guys were, co-directed yeah. that. Yeah. And then you directed Better Luck by yourself, Sundance, uh, Darling. Uh, and it really jump-started your entire career. Uh, um, what was I going to say? The uh, talk about uh, you know how how cool it is that Ch- John Cho and you each take your own path through the business and then wind up back together again. Yeah, it was it was, it was pretty amazing because Trek. from shopping for Fangs to Bear Like Tomorrow, he was already he became the MILF guy from American Pie, right? So he, <laughs> <laughs> it was like the big deal. <laughs> And, uh, but it was, I'm really, you know, it's great to be working with him on this movie. Just seeing how he's evolved and grown as an actor. And it was just, uh, it, I was just so proud to, yeah. to have gone through that, even though it was like, it's been like 15 years since we've worked together. But, you know, I remember where I was when I heard he was going to be Sulu. You know, it's like, it's always great to kind of keep tabs and, and seeing people that you're coming up with growing together. Uh, you were really hell-bent on uh, destroying the Enterprise in this movie. You want to talk a little bit about that, the process <laughs> you went through with with Simon? Because I know he was he was reticent. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I it, it was really interesting because I, I think it, would, it came more from a thematic, you know, I, when I signed on, I, I had three days. And I, I was just thinking more in terms of, uh, like, why has Star Trek been around for 50 years? Is it mm-hmm. the characters? You know, what is it? The philosophy. And, you know, I think a lot of times growing up, you see like San Francisco, you know, and, and Utopia. And like I wanted to, I think the idea was to, to maybe try to deconstruct that. And then hopefully by doing that, you can, you know, uh, reaffirm why there's so much love and passion for the franchise. And, and so it, it wasn't the first idea, but then when, it, when that was kind of set um, as a general I felt like it, it felt right to, to to literally rip the one thing that that's united all the characters, which is the Enterprise, you know. Um, and so I remember sitting in that room, and, and Simon's like, "You can't do that. Like, you can't do that in the first act. You got, you know." And so we had a whole thing, and 
Simon's very passionate, you know, and it was a, it was, it was a tough three days, and it was me, him, and Doug, and Lindsay, and, um, but it, it led to a great, like, you know, I think that moment when he finally got it, um, it was a great moment because it was earned. It wasn't just like, you know, and that's what I appreciated about that, those three hellish days in, inside this hotel room in, in London, uh, was to, like, really kind of get to know each other and, like, understand how we work and, and no holds barred. Like, anybody can say anything, and that was really... Um, I think it, it ended up being great in, in kind of, in a very short amount of time, time developing this relationship and rapport. The original uh, Star Trek uh, is really steeped, I think one of the things that people love about it is steeped in political allegory and it's a, it's yeah. got a really uh, a deep liberal ideology to it. I think things that uh, were really uh, wonderfully rendered in this movie. So, you know, you, you really paid homage to the show in that respect. Uh, can you talk about why that is important to you? What is it about that uh, that aspect of the show that spoke to you? Because certainly the villain, uh, his agenda in the film is 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 very much the you know an agenda that would have been in the original uh, yeah, run, it, run of the show. I think in in in, in trying to deconstruct, I, I I wanted to make sure that we have antagonists had a philosophy that was valid. You know, something that you know we don't have to agree with, but we have to acknowledge that it's a valid philosophy. And so I remember. You know, this is while we were still writing, so I, I get on the phone with Idris, you know, and I'm like, he's, I want to work with him. He is the one guy that I think can, can really kind of, in a very, very limited real estate, can, can bring that. And, 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 um, I remember sitting there and he had a, he has a two year old son and was, he was crying in the back and he's driving somewhere. <laughs> we're talking. We ended up talking for an hour and he just got, got really into it. And so it, it was great in that, um, you know, I, I think it came from the original uh, concept of, of trying to deconstruct, and and but to be able to talk to him, and, and he's all about the character and developing and building. Um, that one hour that we spent, like, became a really strong, like, um, you know, uh, foundation for the character, and, and in in many ways, and, and, and informed a lot of the scenes. Mm -hmm. uh, talk a little bit about. Um uh, you know how important it was for you to uh, to introduce Star Trek's first openly gay character, and where where the idea came from. It, it was it's interesting because I when we were talking about it, um, I, I was surprised that it has like it would be the first time now. You know, um, it, it just I always assumed that you know in that in 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 the world of Star Trek that just you know it's it's not it's a non-issue. And so I think when we were talking about it, and and Simon. Uh, thought that Sulu would be a great character to kind of do it with. Um, I, I felt like that was that was great, and 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 I wanted to present it so that it's part of that world. And and it's it actually came from a uh, conversation I had where I was saying that I, I I just wanted to get a sense of slice of life with every character. You know, that's something that I always wanted as a kid, as a fan. And so it, it was done in a way that it's, it shouldn't be an issue. And and I think. Um, uh, it became more of an issue, I think, when John called George and this whole thing happened. But but it really came from a place of it exists and it's there and it's it's you know it's something that that it's just there. It's yeah. uh, I'm getting the wrap up sign over here again. I want to thank all of you for coming out. I want to thank you, Justin, for a fantastic film, uh, but, and also. Uh, at, as a longtime friend and uh, uh, collaborator, uh, uh, partners in business, uh, filmmaker, I want to thank you for, honestly, for everything that you've done. I talked about it at the beginning, but everything that you've done 
for diversity in the film business. It's no. really uh, exceptional, and uh, and you're at the forefront of it, uh, and uh, and we all thank you for that. Oh, thank you. I, I want to share real quick one story. Okay, so I'm doing this edit, and it, it was we were it was uh, for this film, and I called Joe, and I said, Joe, can you come and, and take a look? Uh, and he came, and, and and we showed the film, and and uh, Joe's like, I, I I need to I need to take a look at it again, you know. Um, and so it was like you had time like the next morning or something, and uh, I had something else. And so Joe came in, sat with Steven, and went through the film again. And so I came in, and I'm looking in the uh, uh, on the internet, and and he showed up like at eight p eight eight a.m. right after the, the the premiere of 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 you know of your Civil, movie. Civil it was, War. So yeah. it, 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 it 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 it's great to be here, and thank you very much for. Uh, for all your support and, and just like the call for community, everything. So thank you, of course. Thanks for listening to this TGA Q&A. You can watch more discussions like this on our website or our YouTube channel. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to The Director's Cut on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or our SoundCloud page so you won't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening and have a great week. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.